Like if you poke fun at each other, it's like, like you can jab and you can spar a little bit, you know, it, it, I think it's a good sign. I took myself very seriously when I was a kid and a teenager through high school and that was bad, man. I just didn't know how to, I took life so seriously and my connections and bonds with other males was uh, damaged or, or lessened as a result of that because um, I just couldn't spar. I couldn't like, and once I went to Woodford's, and got around that atmosphere. Oh, that got out of me real quick. Yeah, if you, you take that approach at Woodford, yeah. you're not going to last long. That's right. Yeah, it's a doggy dog world in that gym. And, and so they why will do you in think the that best is? way. Why do you think that that you had that attitude? I think, uh, to be honest, I think it's probably a couple of reasons. One is whether it's genetic from my mother, whether it's also upbringing of like, I, I mimicked my models and my, my environment. And it's also my environment growing up was one where I responded to the chaos of my environment. Uh, some people respond with humor, they become the funny guy, right? Will Smith did that if you read his biography. Um, some people, they, they become the recluse, like they distance themselves. And, and some people become like, they get in their head and they they, like become like the intellectual maybe or, or the person who b becomes very serious with the world and attacks their problems with like a serious logic rationale and tries to outthink their problems or out uh, uh, maneuver their problems with a serious demeanor. So I just think I was responding to my environment growing up to that was my, my uh, comp uh, compensation or mechanism to keep me safe, to keep me, uh, so to survive. Would you... Would you be able to conclude, I guess, that that's from insecurity? Yeah. Because that's, when I look back now at me when I was younger, and even up until a few years ago, you look back at the fucking the shit that you used to do, and you're like, that was an insecure man. Yeah. That was, a, that was an insecure boy. Yeah. That wasn't a man yet. Absolutely. I think insecurity is the root of many of our behaviours, tendencies, uh, and I think that's okay and normal to go through, particularly from a young age. You kind of got to learn how to maneuver through that insecurity. I think it's necessary. Yeah. Sometimes just getting ripped apart on the gym floor is the way to go about it. That's right. That's what you need sometimes. Just getting chewed up, spat out. That was got it. the most insecure that I ever felt was when I was a young coach coaching at Woodford's. And that's – I felt inadequate. I'll never forget. It was – I – I knew that I didn't know the level, I didn't have the knowledge that I should have had. So I was faking it. I was faking it and I thought that everybody else knew that. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't, maybe I did a good job. My clients seemed to be quite happy, but I knew, and that's why I, I hung it up pretty early, is that I didn't have the desire to become the best. Well, that was it, the best? And what we're talking about, like, is personal training, strength and conditioning, for those who, like, don't understand the context, uh, like the health and fitness industry, uh, which is what gave it, like, that's what pushed us to creating Orphic eventually. Or well, you guys then, me, come on. So you said you had no desire to be the best. I, well, I've never had any desire to be the best. Was it just that or was there anything else? Scaling. I, I couldn't see oh, a way right. yeah. to scale it in a way that I could live the lifestyle mm. that, that I want sure. and that I want for my family. You see... What I'm doing with our students, like I'm still finishing an intake, what I did with past intakes and students is that I wanted to show them that that's actually possible. And if I think, if I caught you, that's impossible because it wouldn't happen. But if I caught you at the start of your journey, I think I could have shown you like, no, let me show you actually how to make six figures in this industry. 
like, yes, it's going to be hard work, but it's also going to be like really good systems and you don't have to uh, break your balls every day or sign some big contract at some professional elite sports team or be in the industry for 20 years to get there. Mm. Like you, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't imagine anybody showed you that way back then. This was... How long ago was it now? Five, six years ago. Yeah. It was. It, it seems almost a trivial period of time, five, six years, but there was not as many online coaches as there are now. Absolutely. It was the, the, the cream of the crop were doing online coaching. Like I remember Woodford was just, just starting to get into that space. And I was like, how am I going to compete with these guys when I don't have the desire yeah. to essentially build that brand? I don't, I don't care enough. So... When Matt and I, we got an opportunity to teach and then we essentially, we got into the classroom with Allied Health Certificate 4. I really liked it. I think Matt really liked it. Some parts for sure. The the mobs that we were working for, they were pretty good. But some of the people that were referring into their courses were less than reputable and less than good. And they were, they were not promised, they were not delivering what they were promising. So it sort of branched off into saying, all right, well, I don't care about this that much, but this I could get around caring about. Like this, if I could be the best at educating people, mm. that's how I see myself. You know what I mean? And what about you, Matt? What was your version of that to get into what eventually was Orphic? Um, motivation to get into Orphic was just seeing a gap in and a genuine thought of, this shit can be done better and that there's a lot of coaches like maybe yourself that didn't see that pathway um, and didn't know that there was a pathway to, you know, wealth in the fitness industry um, because what, you know, we thought at the at the very early days that that was due to inadequate education system and having eight, eight sessions and getting a certificate three and four in fitness at the end of it and everything else is online and that being normal and that's what everybody, that's what I did, that's what 90% of, of people I've ever spoken to in the industry have done. And for me, like when I looked at what we were doing at Woodford with the internship and the level of coaching that they had there, you know, you, any a coach would walk into that gym and go, holy shit, these guys know a lot. I feel like I have to fake it to make it sort of a thing and, and put on, um, you know, a mask or something like that because they've got more... Uh, knowledge and, and applied experience and, and whatnot. So it was like, shit, we're doing this internship, we're teaching all these coaches. Um, meanwhile, there's all these coaches in this gym that have got years and years of experience and they're absolute guns. Um, why can't we figure out a way to do this um, with students as soon as they're coming into the industry and get them exposure to, mm. to these guys? And to be, to be fair... Um, some of the thought process there was definitely helped uh, by what the guys were doing at ARFC oh, yeah. and the college there, which um, closed down uh, quite a while back. So it was good fun, man, yeah, down at ARFC or Woodford West. It was a great um, concept. Yeah. Great concept. 100%. But that, that's, that was my motivation, to be completely honest. Like I, I, at that point in my life, I was still living with my parents and I didn't have any you know, financial burdens or... or um, large aspirations i just wanted to do stuff that that i wanted to do have either of you honest. ever been broke like, I, I mean, it's one thing to like i've realized the definition of broke is to essentially have um i mean maybe you guys have a definition if i remember correctly it's like 
essentially you have no money. Like uh, or de after declaring bankruptcy, for example, that could be a way you get there. Um, have you guys, I've been poor, but I don't think I've been broke where I have no money, but have you guys ever been broke or just been like, wh what's your experience been with where you've come from? I've never been broke. Um, family's always been pretty, pretty well off, middle-class family, dad's an absolute hustler. Yeah. Um, work is absolute ass off. He's a, he's a provider type. That's how he shows his love. Um, you know, by providing for uh, his family. So I've been very fortunate in that regard. And that, that's what was, you know, that's what enabled me to be able to do things and say what I just said, you know, and go and do pursue things that I love because a lot of that's been kind of looked after. I remember it was probably would have been for the first two years of coaching, three years of coaching maybe, was on anywhere from 250 to $600 per week and that was all I was really getting and then started doing a bit of teaching. Um so yeah, not crazy money by any means, but um, but if we'll talk about in comparison to what we're talking about now, and it's just like that the progression is to me isn't very inspiring. And then you, Alex, very much the same, very okay. much the same. I've always had that security blanket. My yeah. parents have always been very supportive of everything I did, including traveling. It's I'm kind of saddened that there's no like trauma or there's no like um, there's no like st man. I've, I've got <laughs> you a guys story aren't about damaged. This. I've got a story about this actually. <laughs> I can get into some stuff. If I, want. I mean. <laughs> I met this girl at a, at a party and she's telling me about all her traumas and she's T telling Tatiana? me. Tatiana? Who? Tatiana? Tatiana. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Vanessa then. I don't know what you're on about. Yeah, I was just trying to, like, <laughs> trying to get you. <laughs> trying to throw me. I thought I see her watching this like, hmm. <laughs> Who's that? I've, I've told her this story. And it's, I, don't, I don't know her name. I don't know her name, but she came into my environment. I'm not going to name names. But she came into my environment and she's essentially accused these guys there's, there's people inside playing poker and there's us outside and we're just kicking it and having a few drinks and she comes outside and she's telling me how those guys inside they're sexist they're sexist and they're this and they're that and they're pigs they didn't give me the time of day I went in there and whatever and I and she's telling me about these people that I've known for 20 years and telling me how they're sexist and they're pigs and they're this and I was like you don't know them I know their intentions they're just trying to play a game of poker but this ties back to the trauma because she's telling me how her dad hated her and her dad beat her and all this trauma that makes her understand what their behaviour is. And I was like, but your trauma in, in a unique way leaves you less qualified to make that call. To make the call about what? To make that call about their behaviours. And then being sexist. I bet yeah. she loved hearing that. Oh, she didn't like it at all, but <laughs> I wasn't going to sit there and listen to that. You can definitely skew and bias your perspective on the world. It's... Think about it in the current context. Nurses and doctors are going ballistic about COVID right now. Get vaccinated, isolate, wear your mask, all that sort of stuff. Because they're at the at the forefront of the battle. Yeah, they see it. They see the worst yeah, of the Most worst. people don't. No. They're I'm, disconnected. I've, I don't know anyone that's had a serious case of COVID. See, that's the thing. I think that's a really important part of this conversation is that you almost, if you don't experience it, then there's some cognitive dissonance of like, well, how real is this? How important is this? How severe is this? If we all grew up in Wuhan mm. and we, when those first videos on Reddit came out, people getting chucked in vans, people on the street dying. I'm like, what is this, a movie? Man, Bad. you got to consider, was that propaganda or what? Okay, so that's- I have not seen that. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm willing to concede that there are, uh, that it could be. Like, have you seen that anywhere else in the world? Like, mass, well, it's also China. Variables. It's also like a communist uh, country. They don't give a shit, <laughs> right? With, with like totalitarian type of operations, and um, 
or Italy or New York City at the height of things. Like it just um, gives you like war. None of us have been to war. None of us have fought in a war, but we have relatives who have, or we know somebody at some point who has. And or have you ever shot a, a weapon? Have you ever shot a pistol? Once. Okay, cool. Well then at least that experience then gives you some understanding and context to holy shit. These movies, like you just appreciate what how the connection between the reality of violence and the perception of violence. Or if you've ever been doing martial arts or in a fight, it's like reality, perception, reality, perception. And I think it's really important to connect those two. I don't know if everybody, you know, got, got to do work experience in a hospital for a week. Well, that sounds valuable. I just think it's a good reminder. Absolutely. I think to balance that side of the argument with the unbiased side of the argument, that's the art of being human. That's the art of what our politicians should be doing. Because if it was an ER nurse who was making the, making the calls, or if it was someone that was at war that was making the calls, their decision is going to be Very so nice. heavily skewed by their experience as opposed to someone who is quite green saying, okay, well, I can look at this from the outside. I can look at it in totality and I can say, all right, well, this thing's bad. Like there's no fucking around, but it's been let loose now. So there's a certain amount of damage that I can't avoid, but we can do X, Y, and Z without damaging X, Y, and Z. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I think it comes to getting a group of people together, like not just relying on one person. Absolutely. But like bringing in a circle of people, like a council, like a, a council of people who have a wide variety of experiences and skill sets. You know, there's always the figurehead politician, but behind them is other people. A team. A team. It's like people are going to be wildly successful in the metaverse. Mm. And they're going to be the sickest cats. They're going to be the fucking <laughs> big dick players fucking walking around like I'm the, I'm, I am the shit. And then they're going to go into real life and they're just going to be these scrawny, like yeah. kyphotic, pale, broke. It's not what you want. Like, <laughs> that ain't it. <laughs> but if that's <laughs> where you're living your life, yeah. then almost what does it matter to you? Yeah. It's crazy it's to think odd. about. It's like I used to play RuneScape when I was a kid. And I remember thinking, like, oh, shit, I'm just, like, living on this game. And for me, it was just, like, i got to stop this. Like, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> Spending way too many hours on, you know, living in a, in a digital world. But now it's, it's like that, but you're actually there in, in physical. Uh, well, not in physical, but you know what They've I mean? But these gloves and shit now that you can feel. Well, I, I forget what the stuff. haptic. Yeah. You can feel it. So you're, you're touching, uh, let's go straight to the most extreme <laughs> example. Why not? You're so touching a woman's ass on VR mm. and you feel that ass. Like you, you go even deeper than that and you've got a fucking fleshlight and you can essentially have sex with any celebrity you want. They'll be licensing out their likeness, mm. the ones that have low integrity, obviously. Maybe porn stars will make good money off this. Kardashians. Kardashians. Oh, they'll be at the front of that. Mm. They that'd, have that'd be fire, though. That'd be fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I won't be a purchaser or at least a renter. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. Just out of principle again. The, the line in the sand, Kardashian's bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, glad you clarified. That's, that's good to know. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Oh, yeah. I think 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I watched a couple of episodes of that and I was like, oh, that, that is the most narcissistic thing I have ever seen. You're literally just watching these women live their lives. It's like, oh, I got a salad. <laughs> Like, Isn't that what social media is to an extent? Like it's where it began? It's a TV show. Like social media is weird like that too. It really is. Like I'm eating a salad. That's I, what it is. I, I didn't mean to uh, stop your train of thought from um, from that, by the way. You're talking about going deep inside, touching a, a, a woman's ass and going deep. Um, <laughs> which Particularly the strange the, visual. The deep part. I'm going to yeah. emphasise. Man, you, you'll be able to do whatever you want in there is what I'm saying. And... In reality, you're bound by certain constraints, one of them being time and space. Mm. Whereas in the metaverse, you could be in uh, pretty well wherever the fuck you want to be, doing whatever the fuck you want to do. That woman's ass. Yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's wild. And it's going to be interesting to see how it's like, I don't know, policed or, or mm. the laws of the metaverse. Because there's not just going to be one, there's going to be... True. A million. I never thought um, of that, man. The police. Yeah. I, I Regulations. Yeah. How's that going to work? Will Are you going to regulate that will shit? Will Asqua be in the metaverse? <laughs> <laughs> if they are. Let's hope not. I won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Can we make jokes about Asqua? Is that, is that allowed? We're out now. They're not watching this, bro. True. I ain't, on, like, I ain't on that level yet. What are they on. watching like fucking... In 10 years time... Paint dry. <laughs> <laughs> In 10 years time though, you know, maybe they'll watch it. And when these come a little bit more popular, who knows? And then we get in trouble 10 years later. For, for what it's worth, Saxon Rice, we love what you're doing. What? <laughs> She's CEO of Asqua. Oh, you know the name. People, people don't know who Asqua is, by the way. You know, that's very like specific to our business. This is true. You might as well say a, a different language. Matt, you want to briefly explain? Because Ask was very important for those who want to become an RTO, a registered trade organization. If you people say, how do you start a company that delivers cert threes and fours and fitness? Well, like you have to go through the gauntlet. You have to go through the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers are ASQA. Was it acronym Australian? Uh, Australian Skills and Quality um, Association. Cool. Or authority. And for those who don't know, can you guys describe, because you guys really were at the forefront of that uh, compared to me, you guys need a lot more credit, um, the, the extent and the amount of shit that had to be shoveled in order to get through that audit process and, and become an RTO Cert 3 and 4 provider. It wasn't fun. There's a lot to do, a lot, of, a lot of hoops to jump through, a lot of um, standards, principles, regulations you need to abide by. And not just abide by, but show objectively how you're going to abide by them through um, your policies and procedural documents and your training and assessment strategy. And you need to justify to them that you meet all of their, um, their standards. So that's the audit process. How many hours do you think? I don't like to think about that. I like, I do. <laughs> How many hundreds? Uh, many. Yeah. Many, but you know what? Uh, after consideration, a lot of them were our, our own fault mm. through inexperience. If we were to do it again, sure, we could do it so much better and we could do it so much more efficiently. Yeah, it's like everything though. You can't, um, mm. you can't be too critical of yourself for that. No. That's what I've, 
I've learned because yeah, there's a lot of wasted hours there in just doing things the long way. But through that, we we gained a lot of experience that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, although I was the one writing all those documents. You know. Those documents are the, are the specific <laughs> ones that I'm referencing. Yeah, like yeah that's yeah. we we found at the end of the process because we we made our own learner guides and assessment tools Out, outside of the actual assessments themselves. There's all of this jargon that you need to get down. It's, oh, you know, if your assessor does this and you do that and if you want to resubmit, blah, 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 and it's all going to be really specific. It's got to have context. It's got to be relevant to the assessment that you're doing. And then right at the end of that process, we found that we could have just purchased some resources with those documents completely completely intact for like, what, what was it, like 10 grand? Too cheap to be confident in, to be honest. But yeah, it would have required some work. Yeah, but not the hundreds of hours that went into creating these. So it's like one, we were misinformed, and two, our consultant was crap. The same thing, maybe. Yeah, well, <laughs> we were misinformed because our consultant was crap. Yeah, and we didn't take the initiative. I guess if you want to take, I'm a big proponent of self responsibility. So we didn't take the initiative to say, oh, well, maybe we can find a better solution here. Mm. Like we bought these resources. This was a story. We bought these resources at the advice of our consultant. I think this may have even been before your time. No, you were, were you around when we became and started becoming an RTO? What? Like when we started, started the process. Yeah, dude. Yeah? Absolutely. You remember when we were negotiating for the assessment tools? Remind me. Cue me. So... Our consultant goes, I've got this guy. He owned an RTO. They were great. They were fantastic. He's got these resources and he's not doing anything with them. They're from 2013. So Matt, Matt and I are licking our lips. We're like, fuck, nice. Awesome. We're going to like fast track our, our path, I guess, to the completion of this topic. Matt had a meeting with him. He met up with him. He uh, showed him through the resources. Matt was like, Matt was pretty happy with it, I think. And then the negotiation side of it, just to keep a bit of distance between Matt's happiness with it, with the actual product itself, and our desire to get a good price, I did the negotiations because I hadn't met this guy. What point did he start at again? Was that 50, 60K? 75, I thought. 75 K. He literally wanted 75 K. or something. Just for context, that's almost the whole expense of, of starting an RTO. You could buy an RTO almost of that. Well, 115, 120 is what you buy a shelf RTO. That's registered, done the audit, everything. So there was argy-bargy there. I ended up saying to him, listen, we've got seven and we'll only take X, Y, and Z. We ended up settling on 12 for, for pretty much the whole lot. Yeah, I remember. I think, but it was crap. It was crap. What we bought was crap. We could have bought this stuff for 11 grand and been... 80% of the way. The, the difference was that it was the old Certificate 34 in fitness and yes. they get updated every five years. Um, so it was just sold as um, great materials, but you're going to have to update to the new in your course, which is the process we went through. However, we Should actually did to. we did look through purchasing other materials out there, but what we found from a lot of those websites just, just weren't too confident in them whatsoever. You, you had to purchase them ahead of actually receiving them so you, you had no idea about it 
But yeah, in hindsight, it would have been a much better thing to, to purchase the materials that were relevant to the up-to-date course rather than having to go through an up-to-date uh, and update everything ourselves. But now going through the, the next update where we've realised that getting a compliance consultant to manage that entire upgrade process themselves rather than us to get our hands dirty in it mm. uh, would have been a much better way to go about things as well. However, we wouldn't have been able to have the... Um, the decision making that we we did in creating our course so we did add a lot of things that you know a, a regular certificate three four in fitness doesn't have and we, we taught things our own way and and i'm a big believer that that's that's what the job is education is it's not here's all the best information um go out and learn it it's about the process of learning the information and, and what you feed into the student and what and the process um, that you kind of build, the experience you build for, for students. So we were able to control a lot more of that because we were so much more hands-on with everything. But, yeah, we still could have done that if we uh, if we bought the up-to-date materials. Yeah. So learning experience. What are some of the biggest lessons and experiences, lessons that you guys learnt through... I'll park mine while I think of them. And you guys can tell me biggest lessons learned through the management, operations, and ownership of Orphic over the years. I was actually, I was thinking about this the other day and it was nothing too profound. Mm-hmm. Just if you look at from when we started, started, we were just, all right, we're going to essentially partner with an RTO. We didn't go straight to becoming an RTO because that was just, at that point, unfathomable. So you take your first step and you partner with an RTO. We went down a whole rabbit hole with, with one RTO. We literally got to 99% of the, of the way to signing on the dotted line. And we had a conversation and we said, listen, man, this, this mob is not for us. They were literally, they switched off their computers at 5 p.m. and they would not do any work. And Matt and I just looked at each other and we're like, these people, like, they're not for us. They take two weeks to get back to an email. They were paradoxical in that they would <laughs> always talk about Gary V and hustle mindset and they were just grinding for it and all this and, like, they've got their own company so they probably do do that a lot. But, yeah, literally uh, it was 5.05 so I'll respond to you on Monday sort of thing. It's like you literally just responded to me. Why not just <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they were switching off their computers at 5.00 to go listen to Gary V motivational videos. And it's just, that's not why we ended up giving them the can. It was just going to be a nightmare to work with them. And then just as luck would have it, we approached another mob and they were a dream to work with. So we got into bed with them. Then you go about getting your first partnership because really, who cares about Orphic education? What, what, what do you do? Why should we give a shit who you are? So we partnered with Woodfords. People give a shit about Woodfords. I think that's really a good point to mention is that, you know, you want to align yourself with people who are already well-respected, absolutely, already an authority, and then by proxy of by association, it's a cognitive bias that uh, it gives you social proof. Oh, you're associated with him? Like, I feel that when I walk in with gyms with my coach, he's very well-respected and he's a big, strong guy. And like, um, I realize, and I I can't take that for granted that... uh, Let's say Dwayne Johnson, you were friends with Dwayne Johnson. You walked in a room and no one else knew who you were. Just by proxy and association that you know Dwayne, you get automatic respect and like, oh, okay, so, you know. Mm. And so that's the same thing I think that we did with Orphic that was, and that you headed because you networked and that was part of your responsibility and did a tremendous job at building an amazing network of the best private facilities 
in the country. Yeah, well, that was the vision, man. And and on that point of uh, of respect by proxy, it's like that respect is earned. Yeah. Like Woody, I don't know, this, it's probably likely the same for you guys. I was in my last degree of sports science, my last year of my degree. So I don't know what the fuck to do, man. I, I have no idea what to do. I was My ego was too big to go to a commercial gym and just be a PT. And I, I didn't really have any idea. I saw one of his ads on on Instagram saying, oh, uh, internship. So I went there and just lit the fuse. So for me, it was the most genuine first partnership that you could have. Mm. If some, If I could give that experience under my banner to somebody else with, because there's, to, to be noted there, the educational aspect of that internship run by quite an unscrupulous businesswoman was horrendous. I did not do shit. I, and I did the most out of my class, but I didn't do absolutely pretty much even half of the course. Most people dropped out because it wasn't being monitored. It was just about rorting government funding essentially. And that's not on Woodford at all. Because he had no idea what was happening at the time. Yeah, he uh, he, um, he he cut out the fat, so to speak, of the of the company in that regard. Yeah, uh, and respect to him for that for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and like without getting into too much drama around that, and that was our vision. It was to say, let's mm. give people that experience. Yeah, true. But also deliver quality education, and get them complete, and get them qualified, so they can actually work. Yeah, that's what we said. I remember standing in the doorway at ARFC in between the office and the gym and we were literally just like, imagine if they we, we did this but it was good. And like the promises that were, were promised were exceeded upon yeah. and, and mm. the students coming in knew exactly what they were going to get not and not just be, okay, now that you're in, okay, and here's this, by the way, and you kind of got, got this little... Uh, was that the moment? Was that, what was the moment Orphic was born? Was that the first seed? It's actually, it's an interesting story. I don't know this. We, I won't name any names, but I got called into a meeting. Essentially, Matt and I had already met with an RTO about this, but they didn't deliver Certificate 3-4 yet. And it was sort of put in the too hard basket. And then I got called into another meeting with somebody who I would never go into business with. And he was essentially saying, oh, the big problem. He was part of this ARFC. So I already knew this guy's game. And his game wasn't delivering education. His game was government-funded money. So essentially after that, after we went to that meeting, we, um, I gave Matt a call and I was like, fuck, let's just do it, man. And then we, we met, I think, at the Ghani's Northcote and we put together a bit of a business plan. And, and we just went from there. But essentially it came because we had a meeting with, a, with another guy and I was like, you know what, fuck it, we have to do this. Like he wanted to do something that was completely left field and I was just saying we need to do this idea that we have. Why? Why did you guys need to do it versus the other alternative? I felt like we had a really good... Um you know the the experiences that we were we'd gone through shaped us to be the perfect people to do it, and I still believe that. Like we, I was teaching. I I was in the first ever internship at Woodford, and was so grateful for that experience. Wouldn't wouldn't change, uh, wouldn't trade that for anything. I'm not going to lie. Um, but then to to do my own coaching and stuff on the side, outside of that environment, and then 
when Woodford West was starting up to be be able to, to kind of head that up with Dill. Shout out to Dill. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we started teaching the, the internship at Woodford West and now going through and, and being the one that was in it the one that was teaching it and then we were doing some teaching uh, with a, with an RTO on the side as well and we, we'd seen a lot of the pitfalls of you know the, the way things were done um, in that government funded model so we had a lot of, it, of these different experiences and we could see a lot of the faults in them um, and we just were like oh, how is no one doing this and it was just we got to this point of this is a great idea why is nobody doing this we're the perfect ones to do it. and we've got Why is nobody doing too. what, though? The level oh. of education at the Cert 3-4 level? Well, even so, like they were doing the qualifications around the Cert 3-4, and I believe that's because the motivation was government funding. Whereas Matt around. and I never, like we saw the compliance end of what government funding entails, and what we went through in, in terms of ASQA for a fee, a pay-for-service, is dwarfed if you go government funding. You have to, you know that how you're talking about shoveling shit. Times about three. It's never ending, never ending shit. (laughs) Especially if you're not doing it right. By the way, I feel like I should clarify before when I was speaking about the dodgy person that I got called into a meeting with. That was not Dill. (laughs) That's not that was not Dill that I was talking about. He's a good dude. Okay. Because because Dill was there as well. Dill was one of the one of the parties involved. Let's clarify just in case they're listening. Yes, because that's absolutely not. Got it. So it's the process of elimination now for those who know. No, no, no one will know. Only deal. Okay. The deal will know. Okay. And deal will agree. Okay. So, all right. That's kind of planted the seeds. You guys thought we can do this much better. Yep. Do you think we ultimately succeeded in that? I think that remains to be seen. I think we definitely put the groundwork for what for what fitness education should be in the history, mm-hmm. in the future, sorry. But I guess it, it's up to the guys at AA to now complete that, and I feel like they're very qualified mm. to uh, do so. I feel like we, we set up a good foundation. We, we kind of we connected them. Uh, we connected these two thoughts. Or, and now I've, I've always said that our kind of goal and vision was to give the fitness industry the responsibility of educating wave of personal trainers and that's what when we boil it all down that's what we wanted to do right i always liked the way that you articulated that it's well thank you give the the power to the people that have earned it yeah with with some things um you can learn in an isolated room with the windows down and you're fine bookkeeping yeah sure watch some videos on it personal training good luck like you, you need to learn that from people who have done it because it's about how they carry themselves in different environments and you need to be able to see that and feel that and do it um, yourself. So th- a lot of the, um, you know, it, it just needed that exposure and, and we, we saw that and we saw that, you know, getting these new interns in that Woodford environment who didn't have, you know, never stepped foot in a gym before to coach getting them in the proximity of these coaches that have that knowledge and that skill set and are, are so are willing to share their experience. We, we saw that happen and we saw excellent coaches be created from that internship that was just like, wow, wow, this is 
You know, that guy there that's just finished a six-month internship is 10 times the coach I was after three years of doing mm. whatever the hell I was doing. Well, I, 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 did a, I did a mentorship to start off with, which was a completely different experience. And I would recommend a mentorship to in a PT studio or something like that to people as well. But um, well, that more traditional what one. We were doing. What's that? that? That mentorship side of things was also, it was one of our biggest core foundations is that there was no current certificate three four courses the placement was optional mm. like how is placement optional that's where personally speaking and my bias is heavy and i acknowledge this my personal experience was absolutely rocketed by placement i used to go to the woodfords i used to shadow them i'd have 10 questions by the end of the session why did you do this why did you do that Every, everyone will tell you that i'm pretty sure 100 percent of coaches uh, and pts i've spoken to has said that they learned the most in their uh, placement and just watching other coaches and shadowing. So yeah. ma- even if it's not a placement, just shadowing other coaches. I'm pretty sure 100% of people um, I've spoken to have said that. Because it's And it's important to know that, and this is why we did the course this way, because we said you go and you do some of the course online before you come in. So you know what a pec is. You know what a bench press is. You know what a squat and a quad are. Because when I did my course, I was with people that didn't know what a fucking dumbbell was. I'll never forget. Stop it. Stop, stop, stop. We had stop. to teach them that. A dumbbell. A dumbbell. I'll, huh. ne- I'll never forget in my certificate for in fitness, some guy got asked uh, what the prime mover in a push-up was and he said back. <laughs> he flipped around. Yeah, it's not even a muscle. And look, this isn't... Oh, right. Like, <laughs> this isn't to... Like, yeah talk down to people that don't know. It's a failure of the education system. Yes. That you could enter the classroom with that little foundational knowledge. How could you let that happen? And that's why what we were doing to me was so groundbreaking because when you enter an industry, you have to ask, are there people already doing what you want to do? Because if there's already somebody doing what you want to do and they're doing it really good, then there's an argument to say, well, what are you going to offer that's different or better? Maybe the problem's already been solved. But when you really look, you know, we've tried. I don't know of, and maybe we, I need to look more, we need to look more, but I don't know of any that delivered the level of care, diligence, and comprehensive practical, practical education that we did in person. I think there's definitely people that would be doing it um, the practical, absolutely. But it's more like if you get a good teacher and a good coach and you've got a, an incredible experience in a good life facility, that, that still happens. But I think we were the first people to kind of take that as our core identity and actually put forward a company that was like, this is what we're about. And, you know, this higher level of coaching and higher standard of coaching is, is what mm. what we really wanted to push forward. So, you yeah, sure I would agree. every time. Yeah. Not... Not a one-off. It's not like, oh, yeah, I got a good teacher. Because that for us, and that's why we approached you. Mm. And we, we wanted you from the first intake. Really? But you're in Singapore. Yeah, you dog. Yeah, you actually set us back. Because then we had other teachers, and they were, they were good too, but no one did sure. it like you. And I, I don't mean to, to blow smoke up your ass here, but you're a fucking phenomenal teacher. And every single student that ever had you as their teacher, the feedback was phenomenal. And that sort of stuff is if if we could have had you in every state, if we could have had six sandalises, 
The metaverse can make that a possibility. <laughs> well, this is the thing. This is the fucking thing. Oh, shit. It's, it actually could. I but appreciate it, man. That, that builds. And then you become synonymous with quality. And then you're tied in with Woodford's. And then I can't tell you how that snowballed from there. I've said thank you to Woody a million times because we ended up having people approach us. And it was, well, Woodford's is partnered with them. They must be good. Yeah. And then we were vetting people. We were saying, nah, yeah, nah. And it's like, which new company does that? Yeah, that's all I did. Yeah. Once I started doing our sales, I'm like, no, no I, I, I kind of, after I, I got comfortable with it, I'm like, I learned a real like good rhythm that I talked about in, in, in the, when I wrote on Medium. Um, so I'm, are you going to sell to me? Because I never, like it was never like a desperation of, we got to sign this person to make money. Give a fuck about that. It's like it was, there was a calling. There was a uh, a purpose that was higher, above all. Way higher than money. Way higher than money. And inevitably the money will come. Yes. If you follow that purpose. I, I think. Yeah. I, I think it's a great recipe. I think it's like, honestly, the best recipe to live a congruent you know, life that's honest and authentic to your own desires and values. It was really good to be able to um, pass it on to the guys at Athletes Authority because we, like, I, I personally am so confident that they, um, yeah. uh, that they they will be able to continue that that logic and that that vision totally. and that they're on the same page with that and they want to see the the industry grow and coaches grow and, and a higher standard of education in entering the industry as well. I'm so confident in that. So. It was really, really good to see that and not have it to be maybe purchased by a corporate entity that didn't really care or that wanted to turn it into the next. I don't think that a corporate entity that didn't really care would have seen the beauty mm. enough to make an offer that, that would reflect something yeah. that we would be willing to accept. Exactly. True. And here's a story both of you probably haven't heard, actually. When, when we signed up Athletes Authority, again... Woodford's tied in here. How long ago after Woodford's was AA? Because that was a that was a really big one. For those who don't know Athletes Authority, we're talking one of the, uh, I mean, I think we can all agree one of the best private facilities in the strength and conditioning space in the country, yep. particularly New South Wales. I reckon from what I've seen, the best. Okay, cool. Awesome. So there's context. Go ahead. And so essentially Woody does a post and he does a, a post saying, these are the people right now in the fitness industry doing great things. And he tagged about seven people. Now, I'm, I don't know any of them, but I'm like, Woodford said this, and I trust what Woodford says. So I actually reached out to each of them separately. Amir Fazeli was on that list. Lucky Wilmot was on that list. Yep. A couple of other people were on that list. Sean Baker was? Sean Baker was on that list. Um, no, actually, Sean Baker reached out to us. Okay. He, he reached out to us. It just happened that I was getting back from an interstate trip, signing up another partner, and he gave me a call just as I got off the plane. So I was like, all right, I just locked in one and we've just locked in Adelaide as well. So anyway, I reach out to Lockie Wilmot. I've got no idea who he is at this point. I didn't know that he's like a big deal. Mm. And like you said, like when you're on the sales calls, they interviewed me. It was a conference call. It was Lockie, it was Carl and it was me. And essentially they interviewed me. It wasn't me trying to sell them a business or me trying to sell them a service. They were, they were fundamentally trying to figure out my motives, our motives. And, and essentially, as soon as they realised that 
that we were doing it for the right reasons, they were done. They were in. And then we, Matt and I flew up to meet them. And again, it followed a similar, similar sort of tone. It was, show us your curriculum. Show I'll, us. I'll never forget the first question in that interview as well. We were sitting around a table and it was all, all really relaxed and chill. It was like, coffees, guys, yeah, yeah, all good. You know, it's a trip, all that sort of stuff. And then, all right, um, let's, let's do this sort of thing. And Carl puts the um, manual on the table because we'd have printed off student manual there. He turned to one of the first pages where we had some stats of the top 10 current trends in the fitness industry and we highlighted the ones that were pivotal uh, for coaches uh, or, or that really related to coaches and, and you know, a coach's performance such as like, um, group training classes or something like that. Like a coach's skill set needs to be applied in that um, for in order to actually optimise that if you're coming at it from like a gym owner perspective. So he opens up that page and goes, you've listed off the, the top 10 trends in the fitness industry at the moment and you've highlighted these ones here, which, you, which is great, and this, the data comes from this source. Um, what is it about you that's going to improve uh, coaches to this level that other uh, other providers don't have and just first question was just like oh shit every every interview or, or you know um acquisition meeting or whatever you would call whatever that was uh we had people would just flick through and were like oh yeah this is great mate and flicked it on the table and they were just like oh this is great but those guys fine tooth comb and everything i, I knew for a fact carl had read the majority of that before the meeting and just was ready with, with questions and everything. And that's just a straight away, you could see that their level of uh, diligence and seriousness in what they were doing, which was really cool. And, and you know, it was really comforting to us, to be oh, honest, because yeah. we're, you know, you don't know if people are just going to tell you what you want to hear. And then when you put students in their facility, they don't actually give a shit. So, well, there's a level of control that you surrender. Mm. And that's, it doesn't sit well with me. I like, I like to control what I can. And when you when you trust a teacher, for instance, to take your class, you're trusting that they're going to deliver yeah. to the level that you want them to. So why we I'm going to hijack this. Why did you trust me? Was it a gamble? I've, I think I've told you this story before. I've definitely told Matt, but the first day that you came into Woodford West... You gave him a semi. Oh, mate. <laughs> I, I was... Look, there's a backstory to this. Because when I did my internship, again, insecurity, inadequacy. And it was, a, it was a repeating thing. And I was competing against everybody around me. And I was like, I want to get this job. I want to get this job. I've got to prove that I'm better than everybody. And some people were there doing shadowing for 20 hours a week for the first few weeks. Some people were there, fuck, 40 hours a week. They were there when I got there. They were there when I left. And I was like, fuck, these, these guys, they're better than me. They want it more than me. And then they dropped off. And then the ones that were in the internship before me, they dropped off. And then they dropped out of the industry. And there was people that I idolised because I, I would look at their work rate and I'd say, these, this guy's a fucking legend. And then they just completely drop off the face of the earth because they're burnt out. And then I saw you on your first day at Woodford West. And I saw your how you applied. Do you remember how you applied? You did a video. I mean, oh, that's right. You remember the video. Oh, yeah. I sent that to directly to Christian. And I know he sent it to all of you because it had like eight views. And I'm like, okay. He sent that. So I already knew who you were coming in. Okay. And then you came in and you're asking questions and you've you got this energy about you. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy is going to burn out. Because you reminded me of someone. I won't say who, who it was, but you reminded me of someone. And 
you can tell switched on straight away. Like you're a switched on dude. He thinks deeply about shit. Like he's going to burn out. Okay. And then it was what? Between that day and us asking you to be the teacher, it was probably like a year and a half and you just had not burnt out. Mm -hmm. Your flame was still the same. And then you went to Singapore and the flame was still there. Mm. So it was like, th that's what I want to see. I want to see someone that gives a shit. And if you give a shit, you'll be a great teacher and you'll be a great dad and you'll be a great role model. Because I think that's what it's about. Yeah, for sure. That's a nice that's story. What, that's why I to hear that you. To hear that back end. Yeah, man. Seven years later, we're still here. Yeah. Right? I think it's, for a lot of people, it's easy to work hard. Like, it, I know this sounds strange to some people who like find it really hard to work hard, but at some point that becomes a strength. Like we all know how to do, like we've all done uh, sleepless nights. We've all done like, you know, worked all day, every day before. Like at some point it's like it becomes a strength. It's like, uh, roger that. I know that gear. But then the next component is like, I was so, you're so dumb in the beginning. You don't even know how to work smart. You just fucking work dumb. You work, you just work hard, right? It's just like default. And then you kind of learn how to work better systems and habits and like schedules and all that stuff. Cool. And then there's the last piece and that's consistency. And can you turn up every fucking day, day in and day out? I don't care if you weren't able to perform at your best, but you can put forth effort every single time you turn up. And I don't give a, like, you know, you look at some of the greatest people that we are inspired by, right? And what I see is that they are consistent. They can work hard, but they can get up, get down every single day. And, and that's what I pride myself on is that con relentless consistency day in and day out. You might work harder than me. You might be smarter than me. You probably are, but you're not going to be as consistent as me. And I think that permeates everything. It, 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 I'm, a, I'm a dad now. I've just had, a, had my kid, yeah, and th she's three months old. Some days I'm a great dad. Some days I'm not so good. Some days I wake up, we're in production, I'm at work at 6 a.m., I get home at 5. Mm. I'm fucking knackered, man. I've got nothing left to give. Like, I'm not the best dad on those days. Mm -hmm. But if you consistently put in the effort to be present yeah. and you consistently put in the, be the effort to do as well as you possibly can, then you're going to be as good as you can be in, that, in whatever pursuit that it is, including the gym. Yeah. Like, I've pretty much never taken a break from the gym, mm. a, a prolonged break. Like, mm. you know, people say, oh, you know, I took six months off. No. And it's like, well, you're starting again. More or less, you're starting from scratch. Take a month off. Like, I can cop that. I've, I think I've done that before when I go to Europe. And I'm just partying. And I'm pretty much starting from scratch. But consistency is... Consistency and accountability are the two things that I think mm. underpin any successful person. Mm. We definitely saw that in you. And I don't know if you gave those sort of uh, monologues got a, a negative connotation. I don't want that to come up. No, but sounds what you, good what to you, me. What you just said about consistency, like we we knew that. We, we knew that when when we were working with or before we started working with you. So we were like, who do, who do we know that's going to – we can trust to, to just show up every day and, and teach these guys and give – Know, and not be like looking at the clock, waiting for that four-hour time sort to fill, but would actually go, oh, he needs a bit of extra time. So, you know, what's an extra 15 minutes for this person's success? And we're like, we can trust you to be able to be the, the guy that does that. So, um, yeah, we, we, we knew that. And I don't know if you ever – I mean, you got your YouTube channel and things, so you had some videos where you communicate like that. But I don't know if we were communicating like – 
like you just articulated back then. But we but we knew that for sure. And we, we trusted you with that and look, no regrets here. For sure. I'm so glad absolutely. we did. Absolutely. Did Thank we go you. straight when we approached you to teach, did we go straight in with the the proposal of ownership or was that a no, little bit delayed? That was a little bit later. That was always on the cards for yeah. us. We were just you just got to test it. Not testing. It wasn't a test at all. It was just like, let's not overwhelm him. Oh, really? Sort of a thing. Oh, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so wow, there you go. It's That was always on the cards. And that, I don't take that lightly. Yeah. Like that's to, to offer someone a percentage yeah. of your business, even if they're going to buy it. It's like, you got to work with that guy, yeah? you got to make sure you don't hate that guy's fucking guts right. by the end of it. There's some trust there. There's some like, you got to go to war together. Mm. Is this guy is someone you want in your team? Someone yes. you want in your gang? And like, I think, I think we made a pretty good gang in the okay. end. I think um, we all balanced each other out pretty well. Yeah, uh, that's a good way to put it. And um, I think it's one of the best decisions and experiences I would say in my adulthood that I've had is running, operating, owning this company. You know, it teaches you a lot. Yeah, man. I saw it as essentially three dudes that were just out in the adult world because we were kids. Seriously, we were kids. I think back to the the first trips in Adelaide and, and <laughs> um, going up to meet the guys at Athletes Authority were just a kid in a candy shop sort of thing just kind of like I can't believe we just signed yeah. Athletes Authority like what what is happening we like we had no business doing that if you look at a typical 23 24 year old mm. they're usually finishing up the uni degree they're fucking you know going on their Europe trips and what have you which we still did mm. to be fair but we we grew through that and I know sure. you had your business as well on the side and I had my business as well on the side, which have become our, respectively, our main pursuits. And it was a set, I liken it to developing at twice the pace. Mm. You're solving twice the amount of problems at any given time yeah. in two completely separate sectors, in two completely separate industries mm. and playing completely separate roles. Yeah. So, for instance, with my dad, my, I could trust my dad to have the hard conversations. My dad's my business partner in the other business. And I, I would leave him to have the hard conversations. But for us, when the shit was on the, on the line in terms of, like, contracts and partnerships and all that sort of stuff, it was just sort of – it was more in my domain than Matt's. Like, Matt was the one that put together the curriculum, but the relationship side of things, which inevitably is where all the conflict is – that's that was my domain so we here's a, here's a side story i guess the the day where, where they the rto threatened to pull our contract so, oh yeah 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 yeah. so essentially i don't know if you would even know this one essentially we went to sign up one of what in our opinion was one of the better gyms in victoria and they, they would have covered our western suburbs end of things and woodford's would have covered the east and they cut out the middleman and they went straight to the RTO, this gym. I know this, yep. Yes. Yep. So he threatened to pull their contract. Yep. And me, I'm this 23-year-old kid, 24-year-old kid, and I'm beating my chest essentially saying, well, you can't pull the contract, but on what grounds, la, la, la. And we got over the line in the end and we actually got some compensation for what essentially was unethical behaviour. But having those types of conversations, 
I think advanced my development. Oh, I, I know. I look back on those conversations and I'm actually really proud of how you handled <laughs> them because you, a lot of the times you didn't take my advice, um, <laughs> which at the time was like, oh man, Alex is just being typical hot-headed Alex or whatever, you know, like going in hot. Um, and I'm really glad you did in a lot of those scenarios because it generally, I'm pretty sure every every little hiccup like that actually ended up in our favour. Mm. Look, I think it's, and thank you, but I think we were in the right most of the time. And I think it helps that we are, and I'm speaking on, on the three of our behalves now, we never did anyone wrong. We never lied. We never said we were going to do something we didn't do. We never went out of bounds. So when you have that, like it's not about that I did anything specifically special. It's that we were doing what we were meant to do. And it was generally when we were having conflict, and I know this sounds like a really narcissistic thing to say, but generally it wasn't our fault. So where are they going to go from there? Mm. How are you going to pull the contract when we're not in breach of the contract? Yeah. How are you going to sanction us when we haven't done anything? Yeah, that was a strange one. I see you guys as like fire. For you, Alex, for those who are just listening, fire, Matt, water. Like you have this like calm, cut, killer instinct. And then I don't know what you want to call me. Like I shouldn't call myself anything. Earth. Okay, so that's a third. All right, <laughs> what about we need air and then we're the avatar. So there you go. So I'm um, air and earth. Yeah, look, we'll go with that. We'll go with roll with that. Right, yeah. But like, I just it's like a symbol for like representing like a balance of sorts. And I mm-hmm. think we did complement each other quite well. I wonder what was the hardest, most emotionally, mentally, physically taxing part of running Orphic. Audit process, yep. without a doubt. Yeah. Like to put in thousands of hours of time and thousands of dollars into something and then not get – and, and to have that result uh, oh. dictated to you by someone that is completely out of your control. And in our scenario, the result initially actually came back negative um, and reading through the reasons why – objectively uh, can we pause here because now that you mentioned it like how, how long was the process and lead up we were talking we we're like planning for becoming out to what six ten, 12 months Jan Jan 2020 was the first time that we were like let's do this right and Early then Jan and then the audit we processed the application when August was when we submitted the so, audit was either August or September so this is like a nine month um like build up volcano ready to go and we were like chomping at the bit like less finally right we process the application and what do we get back you just want to clarify you said negative after four or so months of waiting by the way was exactly jan. i think it was in jan the, yeah. the next year or something like that we got rejected we got rejected and when you read through yeah the rejection it didn't even there was make a, sense i don't know this is probably some of the stuff that would be a little bit difficult with uh, with actually voicing in a public domain, I feel. Sure. Uh, I honestly have no idea. It's a Saxon Rusty legend. Um, but uh, <laughs> someone, one of the trainers, we got, there was a, a, a clause that you have to hit, right, which is like qualified and experienced trainers, essentially. Right. Um, and it was like this name, someone, Khan, Khan, right? K H A N. It's pronounced Khan. <laughs> they someone Khan was was on there and it was like oh this guy doesn't have the proper 
training and experience and, and qualifications, etc. Like you haven't met the standards for this guy. Yep. And therefore we all, all, the other trainers and the company doesn't satisfy the clause. And that was like a, no, we don't have the trainers sort of thing. Oh, we have no idea who that guy was. Like we didn't put him in our application, no idea. So we're just like some random name, probably on a copy pasted, you know, audit response template was left on from someone else's application sort of thing and then it was left on ours oh wow that's probably how that, that's yeah, that's, that's the that. only justification i can come to because other than that like oh. we had me you Sterry, and nathan all quite qualified to teach the course like right. all university degrees 10 years experience so there was that and some things other things like that that are maybe a little bit more difficult to articulate but that was the one that was just objectively like no this is wrong and i'm um, correct in saying that there was another one that had nothing to do with us as well yeah they actually mentioned child care there was about seven points on there yeah that were like so we resubmitted and about a month and a half after that which would have been about march april this year um was when we finally got the the yes and um yeah, so that that I think would be the the most challenging thing for me um, was just to put so much so much love and time and effort into something, and then for it to kind of get um, handed to by someone else and the uncertainty that that brings, but then for it to come back initially and not be a, a celebratory pop the champagne yeah. sort of moment, but to be a what the hell is this, um, and then having to wait after that. To be honest, it was that it was a period after that. That was the most difficult, I think, because at that point it was kind of like, well, this is their verdict and so many things were wrong. So I personally didn't have the confidence in them seeing our resubmission and reading it all through and, and hearing where we're coming from um, and making a, a logical, reasoned decision after that. I didn't have the confidence anymore because yeah, some, a trainer that wasn't even on the application is the reason why we didn't get the... Um, the approval would you say that that significantly impacted the way that you thought about orphic from that point 100 percent. yeah Just i would too because moving on from that you know approved uh audit we're an rto all good i still in the back of your mind it's kind of like there's this governing body that can just pick something and just be like mm. Nah, not satisfying it today. And, and that wouldn't have been the intent that they went in to do that with. Most likely they've got, you know, a positive intent because they care about, um, you know, the, the industry and whatnot, but they go in with that and then people's incompetence, this, that and the other, whatever it may be, um, can just decide that you can't trade anymore. And that's just, that's a really shitty thought. This when is the confidence is broken. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the problem with, with having an organisation that's judge, jury and executioner. And they're not answerable to anybody. Are your they only, answerable to the, to the health government? Your, your only method or your only uh, method of appeal, I think, is taking them to court. All right. You have to take them to the county court. It's like, do I have 25000 to $50,000 to challenge this result that I may or may not lose on because they have... Endless, endless paperwork. We would have restarted the application instead yeah. of that. We yeah. would have had to do it again from the, from the top. Which would have just, would have been devastating because then in the background there's the anxiety that these partners that you have 
these are highly reputable people. They want to be delivering a service. These partners that you have are just going to say, nah, stuff this. Like, you guys are essentially, you're not who we thought you were. That's a crazy thought is that if we actually didn't get approved then and we did restart the application process from, from the start and we applied the same time it took um, to get the final, final result, it would be last month that we would have gotten the yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. That's nuts. What, but I want to actually also talk about how you guys were going because that, that to me that was a – I wasn't as engrossed in the order process. I know we wanted all the help we can get, so you guys were trying to get me more involved and I was becoming – I was reading the, the goddamn doc uh, – what was it there? The, uh, assessment Tools Learner Guys. Assessment Tools Learner Guys, like this 50-page one. I was reading it as I, before I fall, go to sleep. It was helping me fall asleep, right? And I was highlighting shit. I'm like, all right, I remember this shit. Like, fuck this shit. Like, I, I really resent it. I began to resent the the whole process and application. It was a stressful thing. It was taking up a lot of mental space. And I know it was for you guys as well because you put, like, you got to get this right. Like, we got to remember clauses. We're going to be in this, in this interview. And we're like, you know, we got to be on point. Like, they're going to be, every word could be, used against us and then you guys were even more engrossed in it how were you guys managing managing the emotion the mental and, and the toll on your own physical health because i know particularly it had it on you matt um prominently yeah for sure um yeah at, at that time things were kicking off with with ghostfire as well my other company and just the workload there was going through the roof at the same time yeah, so that was it very difficult thing to manage. Um, you asked before about the biggest learning experiences uh, through Orphic, and I think that's the big one for me is just being able to see in advance uh, what your energy and time requirements are going to be like and just making sure you don't do anything unless you are 100% confident that you're going to have the time and energy to be able to execute on what you're going to be doing. I think it's fair to say two businesses at the same time is not advisable. Yeah, I guess you, you go back, we would have had no idea. Um, you can't predict that. So you kind of have to put eggs in multiple baskets when you're a small business owner and stuff. So wouldn't change a thing, but... You did it. Like, he, yeah. we still did it. Like, we all had other businesses going on. For sure. Is it optimal? I don't know. But, like, it's an asinine example, but... You know, at least we know what's possible. We look at guys like Elon Musk. We look at guys like Zuckerberg. Like you go run multiple arms of a business. Yeah, you work every day, all day, uh, but it's possible. Well, that's a thing for me. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy that works every day, all day. Okay, I'm happy to. I'm happy to accept a lower level of wealth. Yeah, and I've set a a target essentially of, of net wealth, and I've probably told you guys this before, but. Once I hit a net wealth of 10 mil, mm -hmm. I'll stop working. Why 10? Just arbitrary. Got Completely it. Arbitrary. You need some line in the sand. Otherwise, humans, man, we're fucked. We, we get greedy. We'll hit 10 mil. And, and look, I'll, I'll preface this with I'll stop working if what I'm doing isn't rewarding to me. Sure. Because you know there's people out there like Elon Musk. He doesn't need to work again. His kids don't need to work again. No, he's living for a much higher purpose. Way higher. So if I can find a calling like that, I'll do that. But I will never work for money again. That's yeah. uh, that's part of freedom to me. Yeah. And I think that's what money is. And it, I I go between two modes. I'm, I go between, oh, you know, I'm happy with the simple things. Because I really am. I don't spend any money. I'm a very cheap human to run. 
And I go between that and I would like to have the money that if I wanted to, just if I wanted to, I don't have to really think about it. I could go rent a yacht for a week and mm. just tell my friends and family, like, guys, come. Mm. And you just drop that 50, 60K or 100 or whatever it is and you enjoy the finer things. And I think people limit that and they say, no, I don't want that. I'm happy without that because I'm happy with the basics because they think that they can't achieve it. You know what I mean? It's self-limiting beliefs. So I would rather say I want uh, that. So you reject the materialistic world and what it all can give you uh, because you deep down you know you can't or you or you know it's too hard for you. Yeah. You won't do the work. You've, you've written it off. Right. So you just accept that you don't want it or you tell yourself that you don't want it. But really, if I told you for free, you're going to go on a yacht with your best mates and family and all that sort of shit for a week in the Mediterranean islands. You're fucking going. If you didn't have to complete the the work required to get there, and it was just you one tats lotto, and that's what you could do, you'd be doing it. I, I hear COVID's rampant there, so and the Mediterranean. Yeah. No, one hundred percent though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would for sure. I'm gonna. Put, I want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I want to complete this nice circle. Uh, I actually had one when um, I had a thought when you were talking about the audit process and. Mm. Probably the most challenging within that audit process was remember when they they came to us and they requested for some documents. And at this point in time, they give you five days because you're supposed to have it all ready. Oh. <laughs> and they just happened to choose... The ones we the didn't have. The specific documents that we were least prepared for yeah, because yeah, we yeah. said, we're going to get the industry-specific, really important subjects. We're going to fucking hammer those because that's what we do best. Mm. They come back and they want first aid... They want uh, sustainable practice. Sustainable practice, which is gone now, by the way. Really? Thank God. Yeah. The worst subject, Saxon Rice. What were you doing, mate? <laughs> it's, the <laughs> o- it's the owner, by the way. Seriously. That. CEO. That was the most ridiculous subject I have ever seen. Is, oh, when you're doing a PT session, how can you make sure that you're not affecting the like it's important, like obviously, but uh, it, it's self-evident and it's probably not necessary in a Cert 34 qualification. Look, man, it's, like you said, it's self-evident. Yeah. You don't drag logs. Like I don't know which PT is dragging logs through a... a savage PT. Like a bear or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, they, they requested these documents yeah. and we had like five days or four days to prepare a shitload of work. That was the most stressed out I've ever been. Really? In my your life? Mi- my missus was absolutely like, she was livid. She was worried about me. Yeah. Because I didn't sleep. Yeah. I was working till 1am. I'd wake up again at 6am from the anxiety because that's all I could think about. I was dreaming about doing it. I'd start again. It we actually um, were uploading some documents as well. And we, oh, we didn't upload man. some of the, some of the, your video, some of the videos that you did that we filmed down at, um, down at the gym, um, we put together those sort of infotainment style strength conditioning sort of videos. A lot of them didn't upload in time uh, to support some of the units. Oh, man. We started uploading them at, at 4 p.m. because we thought, all oh, right, like. It was due at 5. It was due at 5. And we were like, we're going to use every last second to get everybody's eyes on it that we can. We're going to make sure what we submit is perfect. It's not that much. It wasn't that many gigabytes of data sitting there we're on the phone and he's like Matt's like how many percent are you up to I'm like 10 
It's like five fifty, <laughs> and it ended up going over. I think we were we submitted everything at six, and in the end, like it's a storm in a teacup sort of situation because they didn't give a shit. Mm. Like yeah, six pm, typical uni sort of uh, mindset. There, we'll wait till the last minute. It's not what you want. We were like five pm. It's going to cut off, and we've just failed our all our audit. We're going to have to start again. But you got to kind of prepare for that because somewhere that's actually happening. Somewhere, like, it, it would be a cutoff. And if you don't respect that, then you might lose one time. Exactly. So that was another lesson. Yeah. We were actually told that um, that when you submit, you don't have to have everything ready because they'll take four months to get their shit together. <laughs> and then you need things when it's four months. But they yeah. changed the order process that's whilst right. we were going through because of COVID or whatever. That's right. Um, so... Instead of having a day to two day long in-person audit after four to five months of making the application, we had to submit um, all of the files that they were going to audit or that they would have audited in that day um, ahead of time. So where our consultant is saying, uh, yeah, just submit now. You've got four months. You know, work through it as quickly as you can, but it's not too much of a stress. I remember it was like October 10th or something like that that we got requested the, these documents, which was one month after we, we submitted it. So there was a bit of a, you know, we were in a really good position, but there was still a, like, well, we kind of overlooked sustainable practice a little bit and first aid. So um, that was a that was not a fun week at yeah. all. Among the worst. Among the worst, for sure. I mean, visually, I remember you, Matt, like, you know, with the combination of ghost fire and help, because that was becoming quite successful and it took a lot of time. Like, um, what were you averaging with sleep? Maybe you can say as well, Alex, like during that time or, you know. Yeah, not, not a lot. I would say it wouldn't have been uncommon for me to be going to bed at, at from 12 to 2. Um, I, I remember like. And this is not chilling. And watching shit on whatever. This is working, staring at a screen, just dry, dry work. The, yeah. Those, the mapping documents are the worst ones, best believe. Every single unit, you have to map it to performance evidence and, and knowledge evidence and performance criteria. And you have to make sure everything listed in that unit of competency that ASQA sort of governs. Every little bit of detail, you have to show how you're meeting and or addressing that criteria and that performance uh, requirement. So in the entire Certificate 3 for Fitness, you've got 16 um, units in your Certificate 3, you've got 20 in your Certificate 4. All of them have their own knowledge, evidence, performance criteria, etc. Um, probably about five to six A4 pages of you know columns and rows that need to fill out with this um, this question in this assessment relates to this performance criteria and you've got to go through and do that so like yeah five six pages of that for 36 units and that's only one part of it you know you've got your and it's pivotal too yeah like, and it's like the sort of thing where if they see that and it's wrong yeah they actually say if right. you miss a little well, the standards can be um, thought about or, or they can be applied um, by saying that if you miss um, discussing the digestive system in the you know the anatomy unit that if because you haven't um, addressed 
that part of that unit, you're not addressing that unit as a whole. And if that a unit hasn't been addressed as a whole, then your students aren't going to be um, competent in, in the course and therefore it's not a compliant uh, delivery. And, and that's kind of what we were told, that if you missed one thing, compliance officers can come down on you and say, I'm not happy with that, you need to, you need to add that. A lot of people, if it's something small, we, we were told that it would be a um, just fix and amend that and add that in and, and resubmit. But I think it's worth noting, again, and I don't want to slag this guy off too much, but our consultant, our attitudes towards ASQA have been heavily impacted by that. We got, Matt found a phenomenal guy later, and another RTO consultant called Chris Enright. If you're ever starting an RTO, you call Chris Enright. That's your boy. That I love that man. Yeah. He, Legend. He made my anxiety levels decrease by factors of 100. Yeah. Yep. And... Essentially, when you talk to him, he's saying, like, yes, their job, ASPA's job is to do X, Y, and Z. But you know what? At the end of the day, they have your best interests at heart. They have the student's best interests at heart. The other guy might as well have been saying, they're going to fuck you. They're just going to look for every opportunity to, to fail you. And he'd just come, he'd just come off a failure mm. in, in an audit. So you could tell that he was highly paranoid. And he was just – it formed our – our opinion. It's like if you if you're told that something's bad, if you get told that I think drugs are a good example actually. If you get told drugs are bad from a, a young age, you yeah, think they're bad. And then you try them one time and you're like, fuck it, it's not that bad. Like, you know. So it sort of blows apart your <laughs> it blows apart your your image of this thing. And I don't think Asqua is bad. I think they're actually good. It's just our opinion of them. Yeah. Perception thing. Yeah. Yet, after all of this work, over thousands of hours of years of building, we eventually get to a juncture where we decide and entertain the thought of selling. And people ask me, why did you sell? And I'm like, God damn it. I can't answer this question easily. I don't know. When people ask you, what do you say? And what now you can elaborate on a podcast. What's the actual answer? I've, yeah, I've got a pretty pretty concise uh, reason for us. I think it, all of our focuses were were not singularly on this. And in a business of this nature, with ASQA as a governing body and with many different partners and with many different moving parts, if we didn't have, one, the focus, two, the capital investment, because I think to, to make Orphic into what it should be would have required an, an injection of cash. I think we, we were sort of running it on a, on a shoestring. We were trying to run it off what it was making, which was significantly limiting its growth. So I saw, and I guess like Matt started the conversation where he sort of said, look, guys, my workload is outrageous. And, and we knew that for, for ages, and it's credit to Matt as a, as a guy because we had many conversations down the, down the path, the three of us, where Matt was saying, like, I don't know how much longer I can do this, but he stuck in to not fuck us over, essentially, and leave us with a half-finished job that we would then have to put hundreds of hours into learning where he's at and we finish it without him. But this is my long-winded way of saying then you and I were going to continue and then you expressed that you were potentially going to move to New York. Mm. And I remember thinking then, I was like, fuck. Because I, I was in, I was me and you, 50-50, I was like, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, fuck. 
it's hard enough when you live in the same state. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not an indictment on your character and it's not that I didn't trust you. It's just that I felt at the time, and Zero was making some noise at that time. We were, they were saying we we're going to get into Coles, which does take up a, a very large portion of my time. So it was... It was pretty straightforward in my mind that if we could get the right offer, I wasn't just going to sell for for whatever, but if we could get the right offer and the right buyer and we could trust them to finish what we started, then I would still get that fulfilment. So that wasn't that concise. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard thing to articulate at times for sure. But for, um, yeah, for, for me it was like we didn't, we were starting to go through the process of transitioning between workers slash employees to directors of, of Orphic. But for the better part of the entirety of Orphic's history, we were always doing both. Um, and I think if we could have gotten to that stage earlier where we've got, you know, a, a team of people doing everything that we were doing, um, then... There would, it would maybe be a different question, but because we weren't able to, we weren't at that stage. Um, the and, and you know, if there was any question about cost structure, how it related to the units of competency, ASQA, the compliance, talking with Chris, the compliance consultant, it, anything to do with that, it's like I'm the bottleneck, and it was just like one little topic can happen, and then that's ten hours worth of work, and I just wasn't able to give that. Um, so for me, it was a time and energy thing completely. Um, so l- looking back, it's like if we could have got to that position earlier, oh, yeah. then maybe things would be different. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was a period of about, I would say honestly about nine months. I, I didn't voice anything for three to four or five months with you guys to just be like, you know, we'll around the corner we're getting getting nathan in doing more stuff there you know getting chris more involved things were things were moving in the right direction but um there was it was still and that's a you know that's i gotta look back on me and my performance there and i i could have maybe upskilled nathan and and you guys more earlier or or maybe not you guys because that defeats the purpose of us becoming more like directors managers rather than doers but just getting more people in, I think, is that that's what we needed to do earlier. Could there be an argument that that we could have? Um, I know we entertained the thought briefly. I don't think we talked about it with Matt. I'm not sure, but also it was like sell if it's for the right price, or hit pause. My hit worry there was losing the partners. That's right. Yeah. Because that's that's right. Of course, part of obvious. the the value of Orphic was partly the RTO, mm. and that's. That's great, but also the RTO was closely tied in with the partners because the partners were giving us a delivery location and they were giving us a the resources that we needed to pass our audit. So if the partners leave, your RTO leaves. So you're in a you're in a very delicate situation, and I, I had a very good relationship with with all of our partners. They were all one of the biggest pleasures of Orphic was the people that we worked with. Honestly, I don't think I'll ever find anything like it again. That's one of the hardest things to say bye to is Mm. even like with us, Mm. fucking awesome Mm -hmm. dynamic. And then the people that you're talking to, man, they're 
they believed in what we believed yeah. in. It was all passion driven. Yes. You know? And like the money was good. The money was great. Like everyone made some money along the way. It was like this, like we were all together mm. going towards like a common purpose and goal. And that was the best part about it, man. And they were all genuine, great blokes. Genuine. And we, we didn't have the good fortune of working with that many great women. It's just, it's just how it unfolded, I guess. I think it's a pretty male dominated, yeah. uh, male dominated thing. We spoke to one in, in New South Wales, I think, but mm. it just never eventuated. But anyway, men, women, doesn't matter. We're all humans, we're all chimps. <laughs> and and the, I, I speaking, I've, I've been speaking to these guys, and they all had aspirations of doing something similar, which was always ringing in the back of my head. Yeah, that they would just do it. They would just do it. Yeah, for sure. If you press pause for too long, you open that door. We we created a competitor, the one that cut us out. Yeah, they they started doing what they were a gym that's now delivering. Look, now with AA having Orphic, that's going to put a Hulk smash on that and everything that's existed in this country. Well, I I kind of gently hinted towards uh, AA to approach that gym. Ah, okay. And uh, because we, from ethical sort of, we couldn't really approach them. Sure. I guess because we'd had that discussion, but I didn't see that AA is bound by that same uh, agreement. Sure. Not to be a fly on the wall. Well, they know each other already. Yeah, so sure. Sure. we won't speak with ambiguity and uh, and that. But I think that would be a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal outcome would be for all of the private sector courses mm. as well as the big ones. Because one of the biggest exciting things for me was I had a really good relationship with the the national manager of Club Lime, mm. and. That was our biggest growth passage. And we were already talking about Club Lime and Viva Leisure as a whole, which is, I think, 600 facilities. And we were already well advanced in the talks to essentially expand our partnership throughout Australia. And so that it makes the conversation about necessarily needing to put a lot of capital in minimised because if you have a really great network of partners, naturally there's some natural marketing there that reduces that, do you think? Well, that was always my thing yeah but in hindsight it was an error which part not capitalizing not putting money in in particular for me i'm thinking marketing yeah is that what you mean or something else marketing what marketing what matt said i was just say we put in 100 grand 150 to clarify and I, i think this is really important like we were able to fill intakes and like have successful intakes and make decent profit from what was our marketing budget no, nothing. It was non-existent for the, for the majority. Can of we the just pause there? Like people with not almost non-existent. The the goal of well, we we talked about it in that marketing in anything fitness comes across really cringy, and, and, and we want really, to do it right. Yeah. And so our thought was to to put a lot of money, which we we never really got around to doing. But the, those videos that, that I mentioned earlier was kind of like the first step towards. That, but but marketing in such a way that the students coming to us to seek out content that's actually beneficial to them and putting out quality content and then boosting things like that and then getting content in front of eyes um, would be the, the way to go about our marketing. That's what we were kind of wanting to move forward in. And then if that's the, the initiative, then you don't want to put out a, hey, get your... F- Come study with us. Yeah, $1,000 off today only yeah. um, and boost sponsored posts like that which do get eyeballs and and they get the 
the knee-jerk sort of students that, that are like, oh, yeah, quickly, I want to get this up. And then when I talk to them on the phone, like, you're done. Like, I know those types of students who are just in there to save money. It's like, yeah, usually no. It's, it's a hard industry to get cut through. It's a big-ticket big item. You're essentially, you're usually convincing someone to change career. You're I don't think, you, I think a lot of them are already convinced. That they want to do the course? Uh, that they want to change careers. Not that they want to do the course. I think they're unconvinced mostly unless they trust the partners or they've done their research. Yeah. I don't think, well, actually, but then again, some people are in this middle ground where they just want to find more information. And those ones I'm pretty quick to you know, pass on and um, give them some philosophical, maybe life guidance of sorts. I would have loved to have listened to a couple of those calls. I was thinking about recording them at some times. I don't know if you can do it from your phone. You can record conversations, can you, from iPhones? I don't know. I think you physically can, but ethically you may, uh, you okay. may be crossing a line. You need okay. to agree. Both parties need to agree. Well, yeah, well ignorance is bliss. Um, <laughs> and, and actually using it then as a, as a template for if we were to either get a guy to replace me. Um, but uh, Well, that, that's an example actually of, of how AA – advanced me because this is and you probably won't listen to this anyway so it won't really embarrass me that much but every time I sat down with Carl he was like going to school mm. it was like this guy and he's, he's a diminutive character he's a small guy and he's fucking is he? just yeah he's not, not a big dude he's a bit shorter than me and I'm not tall really? yeah he's taller than you nah he's smaller than I am huh. really? I think so is his character emits power yeah, uh, he is honestly one of the most intelligent people that I've ever met. And I, I mean intelligent as in not well read. I reckon the way his brain works is highly intelligent. I reckon the way that he links dots and the way that he articulates shit mm. is next level. Because uh, I don't mix up intelligent with well read. It's well, that's not to say he's not well read as well. I, I, like just high skill set, uh, high um, intelligence across a number of different sort of, uh, what, what do you call it, categories of intelligence or whatever. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure, his processing is fantastic. But he essentially said to me, like, what, what's your sales script like? And I was like, I, I don't have one. And he was pretty much like, you can't, you can't be doing that. So then he upskilled me in that. He dedicated the time to actually upskilling us, or upskilling me in that. And he did that across a number of processes in our business. So... I remember going back and Matt was usually already trying to convince me to do something similar anyway and I was just being a hard head about it. But yeah, that, that's why I'm confident to leave it with them. Yeah, for sure. Probably the last thing to talk about Orphic um, before we get up out of here is Orphic gave me, I realized I'm learning so much about myself. It's very valuable and like um, what Orphic gave me and it was a tremendous amount of fulfillment and impact that I could scale, like impact that we could scale. Like you, like it's very, I think uh, it's a lot to say to change an industry, to actually like whether you're in the medical industry, whether you're in the hospitality industry, whatever industry you're in, this health, fitness and wellness, right? How do you change an industry? That's very like, that's a big statement, right? Okay, how are you going to do that? Well, the most practical way or one of the most practical ways is to have a foundational certification education from the base of what actual personal trainers will learn. 
because that's the first step in the industry. So, okay, you can set people's like foundation for their future. That's pretty incredible. That's like a child who's very malleable. You can set them up their beliefs, their their, their understanding and their experience. And so it, it, I got a huge amount of fulfillment to be on the, on the ground in the dirt teaching. And then eventually at the end, like designing that education content that would form the online learning platform. So from, from in-person to, to uh, online, the whole thing. And you could scale it and you could actually want, because one of those coaches then train hundreds of people. And then times that by like hundreds of people off the top. So that's thousands, tens of thousands. So I'm like, wow, that's actually how you have to change the generation over the years. Like that's, that's, I'm, I think we're, uh, that's a profound thing to me. Absolutely. And so for me, like there's this void that was left like, oh, wow, what will I do that can fulfill that need and purpose in me? Because I realize it's very important to me now and it's unlocked like, I'm not thinking big enough. I'm actually not thinking big enough. Like it's made me realize like if, if I can't think of the next thing, like something has to excel it. It just, I feel like it, it needs to. And so um, I'm with this feeling of like, okay, something needs to come that's bigger, better. And, and like, I feel like I would be living a, a below my potential of what I'm capable of and be on my deathbed and maybe regret on being like, you should have done that. If I don't do something greater bigger and more impactful. That is to remain to be seen what that exactly will look like. Then Orphic, specifically? Yes, then Orphic. I can categorically guarantee you, knowing the type of character that you are, that you will do that. I can guarantee that. Without, again, without uh, blowing smoke up your ass, it's just, it's a fate accompli. Ah, I like that. It's... I think we, we spoke about this recently. I've, I've already got that yeah. in my head, what I want to do. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that publicly um, okay. at the moment. But I wonder for you guys, because that, that, that I was the least enthusiastic to sell, and I think partly because of that, because I derived so much from that. And I recognize that maybe, I don't know, but I assume you guys did not derive as much of that because you didn't speak to the students on the phone any, anymore anyway see them in person, like it was more like mechanical or more like behind the scenes. And I recognize that's a very like, it can be a uh, process and get like that. So I wonder, though when you zoom out, like you, you're having major, major impact, you own this company that's having a major impact, but I wonder like how much fulfillment did it give you and compare it to zero and compare it to ghost fire? Cause they're quite different. Uh, infinite for me, man. Like everything that you just said resonates very deeply with me, I okay. think. I try not to think like this because I think it lends itself to like a bit of narcissism. But I feel I, I really do feel like what we did yeah. has left the industry in such a better position that if if AA does what I think they're going to do, I think that thousands, thousands of students over the next 10, 20, 30 years are going to be educated so much better than what they would have been. And I'm not saying that someone else wouldn't have eventually come and done this. But we fast-tracked it. Because you know what? When one mob does it this well, the rest have to come. Yeah, raise the standard. Everyone and has to do it. And by extension of that as well, I like to think about the, the, the improved experiences that all of the clients mm -hmm. and just everyday people would have experienced when going into a gym and, being, and talking to a personal trainer 
and and now talking to someone that's just so much more knowledgeable that can communicate on a, on a deeper level with people asks the five whys in the initial consult you know like um gets to that layer a little bit deeper and then can really individualize programming and be really you know um charismatic and and just be a, a level above so I, I, each one of those thousand coaches would have coached i don't know how many hundred people you know and by extension their lives have been benefited from that probably reduced injuries just greater perception of of uh the gym environment personal trainers as well and just more positive all-around experiences yeah and they're more likely to stick with it so if you sorry if you you get a personal trainer this was the the most fulfilling part of pt for me Mm. was watching that person's attitudes about exercise change and if you're a shit trainer you're not going to change their mind on exercise. You're probably going to make it worse. You might, because if they get injured, you say, oh, fuck that, I'm not going back. But if those thousand improve thousands of attitudes about exercise, what more profound impact could you have? And I think it's like the definition of legacy. Yeah. Like part of it, if that's important to you. But it's not our name, which I like also. It's not Whitbrook, Karamuza, Sandalis. What does Orphic mean? I don't know. Beyond ordinary understanding. Oh, it's in the subtitle. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it means. It sort yeah. of wrote itself. Is it Latin? Greek. It's Greek. It's Greek. Yeah. He found it actually. It's not tied to me. This one, the, the Greek stuff. Oh. Yeah, I did this. Beyond ordinary. Oh, wow. We didn't want to be another PTCV. Yeah. HIPT. We, we figured it kind of connotates um, like the Orphic egg is kind of like a representation of um, being in inside of a state. And then breaking out and looking into new realms of consciousness, uh, knowledge, and understanding. So it's beyond ordinary understanding. So we, we like to think about that. That egg is kind of like the fitness industry, as it were, before we cracked through. So the snake. Yeah. Oh wow. So I like that. It has a bit of culty vibes to it. Though. Yeah, yeah. When it's you look a, deeper into it, the snake <laughs> and the egg. It's kind of like it's like oh, it's a bit on the nose. But you know, we like that message and, and tried to try to push it forward. But. So what was more fulfilling? I'm asking you, Matt. Uh, what is more fulfilling, Ghostfire or Orphic? Are they comparable? Yeah, it's an apple to an orange in my mind, to be completely honest. Because I, I don't think, I don't think um, sort of tabletop role playing games and and selling those games and, and creating the products for them can compare to the fulfillment that I personally um, had with. You know, being like seeing people's lives yeah. changed because of the, the 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 wins that they got on the sporting field now that they never thought they could have achieved, or the the weight that they lost, and the you know, or the connections that they developed with other people of their family that came to gym, and and you know, the relationships that got built there, and just getting amongst all that, um, that that is more fulfilling in my mind, and that's no discredit to the know the tabletop industry or, or anything like they're that. all but very upset right now yeah I'm they'll sure. be throwing uh, sure. dice at you <laughs> when you walk out this building <laughs> seven twelve sided yeah hexagonal i know that stuff yeah wow you're deep man you're deep <laughs> now my brother my brother's into it and he right. brings dice over and i think oh that's a nice dice i'm gonna send him some shit um pause because that answers my question then alex for sure, for sure. zero food products important yeah, look, it, ultimately it all fun, falls under the same category, whether intentionally or unintentionally, I've ended up in the health yeah. food space yeah. or health, health space, which I think is why I find everything 
that's going on around us quite offensive at the moment because I think with diet and exercise, we could reduce the incidence of every disease, not just one, but I think Orphic is more profound because, yes, feeding people healthy food, yeah, awesome. It's great, but it's not life-changing. Okay, then how do you reconcile the fact that we all just removed one of the most fulfilling components of our life outside of our relationships, what takes that place? To put it in, in the most concise manner that I can is money. Money dictates your action to an extent. And it's... That, that's probably too blunt of an explanation. Money's the thing that takes the place to fulfil you? Well, they're both fulfilling. Like, I think if you if you look deep into what we're saying, it's like emotionally the connection with Orphic also because maybe because we started it so young and it was born from real passion. Mm. And the, the impact is profound. But we didn't just abolish it. You know what I mean? Like that, that profound pride that we get from Orphic is still there. Mm. And the impact is still going to be there. So it's not like we ended that in exchange for this. That's a fair point. That's a good yeah. way to put it. It, it, yeah, it does still. It is still connected. Like it's still going on, and like what they will do, you know. I guess lives. They said it to me that like our work will continue to live on through you guys, and I think there's an element to that. But it's like when you're not actively engaged in the thing, there's a, there's a somewhat of a disconnection from the output and then the receiving of the fulfillment. What were you gonna say, Matt? Um, yeah, I was just gonna say my my. My thought on that is, is I've started to look at fulfillment in the in the work that I'm currently doing, and just trying to find fulfillment in, in other areas as well. Other areas of life outside of Ghost Fire. Well, well, it's specifically the work, right? I think you you kind of asking like fulfillment in your work is is really important, and if you lost the fulfillment in the work that you're doing, like how can you continue to work without fulfillment, right? But I'm, I'm actively trying to search for fulfillment in what I'm doing and, and trying to reframe the per- perception of what we're doing at Ghost Fire. So. Now, uh, someone says, like, why, just what's your why? For, for Orphic, we always had that why. You know, Simon Sinek start with why. It's the first content we have on module zero before people even get into content. We ask people why. And then we needed to know why we were doing what we were doing as business owners as well. Like, that level of just, like, internal understanding was never really present with Ghostfire and the work that we were doing. Um, so what will feed both of your souls like it did, like Orphic did. Well, cent- well, for, for me, it's just trying to center the, the, the work that I'm doing there in a fulfilling why that I can be fulfilled and proud of, you know, and, and now I'm not thinking about it as a, as a um, so much, obviously, the money in the business, is, it's impossible to divorce that when you're talking about a company, but the why of the company, we're really starting to think about it as like a, why we're doing what we're doing isn't to sell games, but it's to bring people together over shared experiences. And if we can make a really fun and engaging game or setting, that's going to bring people together and, you know, allow people opportunities of engagement and connection. You know, like we're going to be providing that to people because they're going to be like, hey, I've got this new game, come over to my house, let's play it. And then they're going to find meaning in playing through the characters in that game and they're going to develop relationships and connections with other people through that as well so which is profound yeah it's a cool thing why does why does it have to be serious 
Oh, it definitely doesn't. No, it totally doesn't. Mm. You could be a comedian. You could be like, you can make anything. Mm. It doesn't have to be serious at all. Well, this is, I, I guess, tying it. And again, I'm backstepping on what I said before about the money. The money thing was based on which business was further ahead. And the de- it helped you make the decision yeah. to sell. Because opportunity cost. I think we got to the point where being involved in one would certainly damage the other. And my involvement in the other was definitely damaging this one. Okay. So it was, which one do we have an opportunity to get out of? Which one can be still running at the same level as, as it would be if I was involved? I think, honestly, they're going to do a better job than what, than what we were going to do because I think they're going to put a good amount of resources in. That's what I've understood. So their, their vision for this thing is is massive. Yeah. Whereas with, with Zero, I still find fulfilment in the fact that we've got only the two ranges right now. They're gluten-free, vegan, organic, low FODMAP. There's no one they can upset. So when you see people try a product that you created, it's, it's the same sort of feeling as when you with Orphic and you see someone loving your course. Like when you wrote that manual, that first manual, and we started getting that first feedback and it was like, this is fucking awesome. And the, the people that we respected in the industry were saying, this is fucking awesome. We have like the highest level influencers in Australia and the highest level cooks and chefs and, and store owners saying, I want your product. And Cole says, I want your product. And you're like, fuck, man, I created this. Mm. Or my dad created this and, and we did it together. And you, you watch the trials and tribulations. Like if we started off with a little, a little kitchen. And one of the guys that saw us along the way said to my dad, I, when I saw that set up, I thought you guys have absolutely no chance. Like you're going to be folded in, in a month. And you look at where we were then to where we are now. And it's just, I think it almost doesn't matter what you're doing, but seeing that sort of progress is fulfilling in itself. I like that. It reminds me of Jeff Bezos starting out in that little office with the Amazon banner at the top. Looks sketchy as well. Yeah, it's like humble beginnings. It's important to look back. Yeah. Like not live in in the past. See how far you come? Yeah. Just smell the roses and I'm bad at that. Well, there's one one quote I really like. It's where we are now, where you are now, you were once wishing to be. Financially, wealth, physical, health, like... The opportunities that you have, and we'll talk about maybe next time we talk, like to, even to sell our company, Orphic, and the price that we could do it at and the opportunity and the timing of it, what's happening with Ghostfire, what's happening with Zero, It's like, hmm, it seems to be only progress. Road bumps, zoom out long enough, net positive. Well, they're no mean feats, man. They're, they're no mean feats. Honestly, they're, and this is something that my parents remind me of, because I'm never happy. Like historically, I've done everything very quickly, and then I sit there and I'm like, well, "Well, maybe I'm not as far down the path as I should be." Yeah, but it's like you're 28 years old. You just sold a successful business to people that you respect highly. You're part of another business that's that's making good money and selling product to the biggest supermarket chain. Mm. What else do you want? Yeah. Mm trap to fall into like what's the next and what's the next thing and all that so it's a trap that's difficult to get away from yeah i've learned to instead of asking what's next it's like what's the most interesting Mm. problem to solve that i'm curious about that that feeds me 
Like what's an interesting, complex, hard problem that means a lot to me that I can solve? And that's a fascinating question I'm trying to explore now. And I think we will continue to explore through the future. Absolutely. Sure. <sighs> Matt, Alex, you guys got any last thoughts, feelings, comments? Before we get up out of this part. Hey? I should be prepared for this part. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you, boys. Yeah. Not for the chat. Yeah. It, it was good to actually talk in a long form discussion. I was actually quite looking forward to it because anytime yeah, nice. it talks like in a meeting session. Absolutely. But like for for Orphic as a whole, it's been fucking awesome. It's been a good ride. Absolutely. Yeah. Jump on that. Thanks as well. <laughs> I think sure. this almost like I w- I'd like to do this because it like ties a knot or it closes a chapter in a way for us to come together after who knows how long and, and, and sit down and reflect and assimilate some of our learnings and then look to the future for a brighter future. 100%. I'm glad to go to war with you guys over the last couple of years. Thank you for having me in this journey. It's, it's, it's been one of the most valuable in my adulthood. Likewise. It wouldn't have Likewise. been the same without you, mate. And um, thank you for being a part of it, for sure. And thank you for hosting this and, and allowing the opportunity to, 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 to get... Uh, <laughs> yeah, to talk some shit, for sure. Just a couple chimps. We'll do this again. I want to do this again in the future. Done. All right, chimps. I'll see you later.